0: This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ, in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. All right. good morning everybody i uh, glad to have some visitors with us this morning. Gary from Lubbock, passing through. Uh, pray for safe travels for you and uh, Shay's family being here from safe travels from Florida. Uh, they were rubbing it in my face earlier. Uh, I'm excited to stand before you this morning and share a portion of God's Word. As always, uh, I pray that it's truthful. That's the most important thing, that it's His Word and that it, it will impact and prick our hearts this morning. Uh, as you guys all know that this weekend, we celebrate Memorial Day. All, all, it turns into a whole weekend event, but tomorrow is officially Memorial Day. And Memorial Day, we celebrate all those who have given their lives so that we can have freedom. Uh, it's an amazing, wonderful day. It's been celebrated in some form since about 1868. So now we've celebra- celebrated around 155 Memorial Days to honor those who have fallen for our country so that we can walk around and have freedom that's amazing and we should celebrate that and we should show the families that have sacrificed loved ones and honor them but as, as special as this weekend is or tomorrow is today's is even more special anybody know what today is Pentecost today's Pentecost so we're going to talk about Pentecost Pentecost has been celebrated for around 2,000 years and I'm going to throw some dates out this morning and some years and I'll be honest as you know I'm no Hebrew scholar Uh, I'm no uh, I don't have the knowledge that Brian has when it comes to some of this history stuff so I'm going to do my best to present the information that I can and that as truthfully as possible and accurately as possible but if you find an error in some way get with me afterwards if you would. So we today uh, the church as we know it celebrates Pentecost in Acts Two is where we find information biblically about Pentecost. It says that when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. In verse 5 it says, And now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So what is Pentecost? What was this special event that we see people travel a great distance to attend? What is Pentecost? What does it mean for you and me, for the church? What does it mean f- uh, for, for Jews uh, throughout history? Well, we're going to dig into some of that this morning. This is a map here of uh, several locations that we find mentioned in Acts chapter 2. It describes several uh, from different nations that were attending, and these were nations... That it, that's described. There may have been more, likely there were, but these are the ones that we see mentioned a lot. It says, devout men from every nation were, were in attendance in Jerusalem. Now, the Jews didn't all live in Jerusalem, so many had to travel a great distance to attend. Um, if you wanted to go from Rome to Jerusalem, if you could go by airplane, which they couldn't, you would fly about 1,400 miles. In an airplane, if you wanted to go by sea, you would travel about fifteen hundred miles, which is a great distance. That's a great distance by airplane. That's a great distance by ship. A little side note: this this distance from Rome to Jerusalem at about fifteen hundred miles is also in Revelations 21, it says, The city lieth four squares, speaking of heaven, and its length as large as the breadth and the of the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and breadth and the height of it are equal. That's around 1,500 miles. I don't know if there's any connection there, uh, but pretty interesting. 1,500 miles. Some people traveled from Rome to Jerusalem. Now, what would cause you... To want to travel that kind of distance it had have to be something like a grandchild, <laughs> right? Or something very special would make you want to travel that far, exert that kind of effort on this one specific event. So we're going to look at some facts about Pentecost. We're going to move. We've, this morning's message is mainly instructional, so we're going to move fairly quickly to cover information. But uh, so here's some facts about Pentecost. And this is referring to what, what we see here in Acts chapter 2 mentioned, that there were devout Jews from every nation that were gathered at Pentecost. So Pentecost is a Greek word which simply means 50. Penta means 50. Uh, at, in Acts chapter 2, we find that the birth of the New Testament church happens here. We won't go into great detail about that, but we will talk about it a little bit at the end. We find that uh, Pentecost is celebrated roughly 50 days after Easter or after the resurrection or after the the death burial and resurrection time period that's where I I mentioned before I'm not a historian I'm not a a Hebrew I don't speak Hebrew I don't study Hebrew that, that much so I'm gonna say around 50 days and we'll get into a little bit more of that here in a few minutes but around 50 days We find, and if you look on the calendar, actually, this year, if you look at Easter to today, it's exactly 50 days. That doesn't... uh, So, around 50 days. That'll be be more important here in a minute. We find that Jesus was crucified at Passover time. Now, there is some debate exactly on which day or, or how closely it was, but it's very likely that Jesus was crucified at the same time that they were there gathered to sacrifice the Passover lamb to commemorate something else. It's very likely that it was at the very same time, or if not at the very same time, very closely to it. It, it may have been, some of the wording is that, uh, that he was crucified at the time of preparation for the Passover, so they would prepare this Passover lamb to be, to be sacrificed to commemorate Passover. So that's it, pretty interesting. Jesus was sacrificed when he died for us. It was right around the exact same time that they were sacrificing the lamb to honor Passover. Pentecost is simply the Greek word it's It means 50, but it's a Greek word that represents another word, the Hebrew word, uh, Shavuot, I believe is how you pronounce it, uh, Shavuot. So this is Pentecost to us is something because we find it in Acts chapter 2 in the New Testament, so it has great value and meaning to us as the church, but it represented something far more, and it has a connection that's greater than just what happened in Acts chapter 2 so that's what we're going to look at so Pentecost represented something else and it's that Shavuot the Hebrew word so what is Shavuot or Shavuot uh, let me back up here so about 50 days happened and I, I do the pictures there so you can get an imagery Because, again, we're covering a lot of material. So about 50 days transpired between somewhere between the crucifixion and the resurrection. And, in Acts chapter 2, them receiving the Holy Spirit that came down. So around 50 days happened. Remember that. That's important. Okay, so what is this Shavuot? This Feast of Shavuot? So we're going to look at some facts. The anniversary of the day when God gave the Torah to the Hebrews at Mount Sinai. Okay, it was, it's a celebration of the spiritual birth of the Hebrew nation, or of the Israelites. It marks the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. We'll talk a little bit more about that and why that's significant here in a minute, but it it was uh, a feast that had a lot to do with uh, harvest, with grain. Torah-keeping Jews, uh, Jewish people, would travel, as we saw, and that's why they were there at Pentecost. They weren't there, in Acts chapter 2, they weren't there to celebrate the church receiving the Holy Spirit. They were there to celebrate... God giving the Torah to Moses. And that's why they traveled a great distance. Is that starting to make connections now? They were there to celebrate God giving Moses, or the Hebrew nation, the Ten Commandments. So Torah-keeping Jewish people would travel a great distance and fill the streets of Jerusalem. Uh, Estimation would be in the millions. I mean, it could be. A lot of people would gather in Jerusalem. The Hebrew word uh, Shavuot means weeks. Weeks. And there's a reason for that. Because it was exactly seven weeks God told them to count in Leviticus 23. And he says, and you shall count unto you from the morrow. And this was after the Passover. He says that you should count uh, from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. So seven Sabbaths. So seven sevens, seven weeks of seven, which would be 49, right? So then he says, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days. So he said, count seven sevens or seven sabbaths and then the day after that which would be the first day of the week a sunday would be the 50th day and that's why we find them celebrating pentecost which means 50 now this is a rough calendar (laughs) this is not uh, this is just to give you an idea an illustration okay so passover could have happened we don't know what day of the week necessarily passover could have happened any day of the week, right? It could have happened on a Wednesday, okay? But the count, so let's say uh, Passover happened on Wednesday. They had to prepare themselves to get ready to go. Well, they wouldn't start counting until the, so if Passover started here, they wouldn't start counting until the first Sabbath. So Passover here happens to be on this calendar uh, on a Sabbath, right it wouldn't necessarily have been on a sabbath so if it had started back here then they would have counted this sabbath as the first sabbath does that does that make sense is that somewhat clear it took me a long time to wrap my head around all this and then how to present it to you and make sense yeah so seven sabbaths and then the day after would be the 50th day so this calendar obviously represents that that the passover happened on uh, sabbath so then they counted 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and then Sunday, where we have Shavuot. Okay. Uh, during the first seven days, they would have the feast of what they called the unleavened bread. It, and all these things are very significant. Very significant. I just don't have time to go into detail on what all these things mean. Uh, there is a lot, a lot that can be uncovered. It's been very eye-opening. Uh, so it is a holy. It is only holy day without a specific date. Now, what do you mean by that, Dane? Well, Memorial Day, for instance, we celebrate on the last Monday in May every year, right? Uh, in in all the Jewish feast celebrations are on specific days. Uh, for instance, the fourteenth day of the first month. So every year it's on the same date, but that's not the case. For Shavuot, it's, it's the only one of its kind, which is kind of neat and actually pretty interesting. And I think there's significance there. And I, So imagine uh, you grew up and you didn't know your birthday. Your parents never told you what day you were born on. But they said, we're going to celebrate your birthday 50 days after the death of your uncle, Louis. okay so you don't know your birthday but every year you have to count 50 days from the memory of your uncle Murray's death as a kid you know you're like you, at first you're young and you don't really care but then you start going to school and you got friends and people are like well when's your birthday ah it's 50 days after my uncle Louis died <laughs> that would be kind of weird right so on your 18th birthday, or around there, coming up, you know, 50 days after old Uncle Louie died, your mom finally tells you, because you're frustrated, you're, you're wore out from this odd thing, you know. Your mom comes to you and she says, Well, I, your Uncle Louie, he died and he left you in his, his inheritance. And I wanted you to remember for the rest of your life how he impacted you. So you see that your birthday would be closely tied to your Uncle Louis's death and what he did for you. You see, I believe, I don't know with certainty that that's what God did by leaving this date the way he did, but I I am fairly certain that there is a lot of truth to that. that I mean, I can't find a Bible verse that explains that's why he did it, is my point. But think about this, the church receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and the church being birthed wasn't near as important as Jesus Christ dying, being buried, and resurrected, right? So that commemorates this which was more important. See, the Jews, the Israelites received the Torah roughly 50 days after Passover, but that was null and void if if God had not provided this Passover lamb. So this date... Is only important because of what happened here does that make sense okay so leaving it without a date a specific date requires you to recall the more important date I love that I love that if that's the the reason the whole reason behind it is pretty amazing okay Most importantly, it points to the Passover, as we just mentioned. You'll find the Passover in Exodus chapter 12. But in verse 14, he says, This day shall be a memorial for you, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. As a statute forever, you shall keep a feast. So we find that God did require them to remember Passover and to memorialize it. So you have Passover about 50 days transpire and you've got the receiving of the Torah. Again about 50 days. And in, in Exodus chapter 12, so a little bit later you find where Moses receives the Ten Commandments. Goes on Mount Sinai and receives the Ten Commandments. Uh, Exodus uh, 19 and 20. So, why is Pentecost important to us? You got the Passover, which the Jews had traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate. Which, to us, at Pentecost, today, what we celebrate is the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. So you see how that the Passover lamb and Jesus are the same thing. So you go from the Passover to receiving the Ten Commandments, and you go from the crucifixion to Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Spirit comes down, and it fills those who are in the room. They begin to speak in tongues, and we see at the end of the chapter something incredible happen. So God, 3,300 years later, roughly, God picked the same dates. Think about that for a second. He picked the same dates to have Jesus crucified and the church to receive the Holy Spirit as he did for the Passover lamb and for God to give the Ten Commandments to Moses. 3,300 years difference. God orchestrated it beautifully in perfect timing. That should amaze us. And when we, I'm just going to scratch the surface, but when we look at the comparisons that we find between the New Testament and the Old Testament, we could go on for days. But Megan doesn't usually like me to. But she's not here this morning. So hang on, ladies and gentlemen, hang on. Just kidding. Just kidding, because my girls will tell, and it's recorded, so. Okay, so tons of comparisons, fascinating. I, I found myself going through, like, I had to, like, shut my computer, because doing so much, re- you know, I was, like, fascinated with this, and so I'd go down this rabbit hole, and I was like, no, I got I to gotta present a sermon Sunday, <laughs> so I've got to quit doing some of this research, and focus on the main point, all right? But man, it's fascinating. Uh, Tons of information, tons of stuff. So we're gonna look at some of those comparisons that are beautiful. We talked earlier about this harvest and that they were to celebrate. They were to give an offering of their harvest. And we find that in Leviticus and it says, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you come into the land that I give to you, and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Remember this word, first fruits. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb, a year old, without blemish, and a burnt offering to the Lord. So we find some of the tradition here with that Shavuot or with Pentecost that sacrificial lamb, and they would bring an offering of the grain that they had harvested, saying, God, we are giving you the first fruits, right? The first fruits is associated with the best. We're bringing you the best of what we harvested, and we're giving it to you. We're sacrificing it to you. So that's what we find in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we find in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. The first fruits of them that slept. First fruits. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, even, uh, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man, own, uh, every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So, as sure as the first fruits, hear this, as sure as the first fruits of the harvest that were brought to God were proof of the harvest, so surely Christ's resurrection is proof of our resurrection. You see that? The first fruits, the proof, they're bringing proof of a bountiful harvest. And Jesus says, I am the proof. Of your future bountiful harvest, your resurrection. He is the first fruits to prove to us that we too can have resurrected life. He is the first of many resurrections to come. It says that everyone in his own order. So we find that the first fruits were celebrated in the Old Testament to honor God and that Jesus came to be the first fruits. To honor God, so that we might inherit the kingdom as well, so that we might have resurrection. Second one is the hyssop. You recall in in the Exodus chapter twelve, it, as they were instructed to find this perfect, spotless lamb, they would kill it, and they would they were instructed to take the hyssop, and they were to put it on the lintel, the the doorpost of the door, as a sign for the death angel to pass over. Right. So we see hyssop being used. Now, I, I, again, I don't have a verse that says these two are connected. I don't have... Uh, so some of this is speculation. Uh, it's, but it is interesting. In John chapter 19, it says, After this, Jesus... Let me, let me get on the board so you can read it too. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, I thirst... A jar full of sour wine stood there so they put a fun- a sponge full of sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth so Jesus is on a cross uh, we traditionally think of crosses you know as a cross but they would carry typically this one beam when they would carry the cross he likely carried this one beam across his back and then was placed up there on the upright post uh, again There's some speculation there, but if you study it further, that's more likely how it happened, that when he carried his cross, he carried that beam across his back, one beam. So imagine a door, lintel, the lintel post is what holds the structure above the door up. It's one beam. So the children of Israel would take that blood with the hyssop branch, and they would wipe it on the lintel of the door. Jesus Christ hung from a lintel, and it says that they used a hyssop branch to give him this sour wine. Pretty amazing. Psalms 51, David here says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. In the scripture, we find that there is a a cleansing, a, a renewal that's associated with hyssop for some reason. Interesting. These are just things to build your faith and encourage you. Okay, God's law, as uh, connected from the Old Testament and to the New Testament. All right. And he gave to Moses, when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai, the two tables, or the tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written with the finger of God. In Jeremiah, he says, speaking of Jesus someday speaking of the future church behold the days are coming declares the Lord when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt so this is a different covenant he says my covenant that 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 they broke though I was their husband declares the Lord for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days this is the new covenant This is the covenant under Christ. I will make with the house of Israel in those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. So we see that Moses received it on tablets of stone, but under the new covenant, it's written on our hearts. He says, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Further, in 2 Corinthians, and you show that you are a letter of, From Christ, delivered by us. By their life, they were a living example. Written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. And listen to what he says. Not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of your human heart. Jesus writes the law on our hearts and changes us. Here's one of the most fascinating things uh, when we compare these things with the Old and New Testament. In Exodus 32, and he said to them, thus says the Lord God of Israel, let me get down here, put your sword on your side, each of you, and go to and fro from gate to gate throughout the camp, and each of you kill his brother and his companion and his neighbor, And the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses. And that day about 3,000 men of the people fell. Did you you realize that? You remember when they went up, Moses went up, he was there for about 40 days. He comes down and they've built this golden calf, right? Well, this is the punishment for them building the golden calf. 3,000 people were slain from among the Hebrew people as a punishment for their disobedience to God. Within forty days, that's how rebellious they turned. So three it says about three thousand men or people fell that day. Again, we're connecting what happened at the time of Moses receiving the Ten Commandments and Jesus pouring out the whole God pouring out the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Okay, we're making those connections. So 3,000 men died at around the same time when Moses received the Ten Commandments. Right after, Acts 2.38, And Peter said to them, when they responded with pricked hearts, he said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself, And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. To those who received his word were baptized. And oddly enough, it was about 3,000 people. I don't know if that fascinates you at all or blows your mind, but it does mine. About 3,000 people, it says, were saved in that instance, or in that time. Right after Peter had received the gift of the Holy Spirit and was able to speak in tongues. That's amazing. And I don't know exactly what God wants us to know here with this comparison of death with the Old Covenant and them rebelling and this New Covenant and life being given. I don't know if it's that technically when these people were baptized they were put to death, right? They died, actually. And then they were brought to life. So I don't know if that's the connection with the death and and the New Testament uh, situation. But here's some verses to chew on. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7 or uh, a few verses here. It says, Who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant? Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. So, letter of the law, Spirit. Now, if the ministry of death, the law, which we find here that many died, 3,000 roughly, if the ministry of death carved in the letters of stone, the Ten Commandments, brought forth death, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory. So if it was that wonderful when he received the Ten Commandments and it was a ministry of death. He says, which was being brought to an end. In verse 8 of 2 Corinthians 3, he says, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? This ministry of the Spirit is what we find in Acts chapter 2. And verse 9 says, For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, for the ministry of righteousness must far exceed its glory. So we see that the old law, the old covenant, was a, law, a covenant of death. It was of punishment, but the new law in Christ is life. I believe that's the connection here. So, the fact that over thir- around thirty three hundred years or, or so uh, not quite that much at this time at, at the original Pentecost that there were three thousand and three thousand that match up is is a wonderful thing, and again, when I say that you can go down a lot of rabbit holes and do some research, you can god 's timing and his plan. For everything are perfect. And that's, in studying this, I'm finding that more and more. That he has purpose, and he has plan, and he is specific in the things that he does to perfection, no doubt. God's timing and plan are perfect. Perfect. We see in Luke 24, he says, Then he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you. You remember this is at the very end of his ministry, one of the last things he says to his apostles or his disciples. These are my words which I speak to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, listen to this. He says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. I'm going to do that, but just wait. i got plans in the works, but you've got to work with me here. And I need you to wait. He says, But stay in the city or stay, remain in Jerusalem until you are clothed with a power from on high. Remember that? So that's it. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he says, I've got these things working. I promised you that Jesus, or that the Messiah, the Christ, would have to die and be resurrected, and I've got big plans for you, but I need you to stay in Jerusalem for a little bit until this power from on high comes. So then we fast forward to Acts chapter 1, and it says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time, uh, time restored the kingdom of Israel and he said to them it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority so we see that god has times and seasons specifically in order and in place that we may not have a clue about and but in verse 8 he says but you will receive power when the holy spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in jerusalem and all judea and samaria and to the end of the earth and then he was lifted up. So this was, you got Jesus right at the end of his ministry before he was crucified saying, hang out in Jerusalem until something happens. Then you got Jesus after he was dead, buried, and resurrected, appearing to multitudes, 500 at one time, saying the same thing. He said, you don't get to know all the details about why God does what he does. But he says, you will receive a power from the Holy Spirit and it will come upon you. And then boom. Boom fast-forward just a little bit in Acts 2, and there, there, not much time perspired here, and it says again, in, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house that they were sitting, and divided tongues as the fire appeared to them and rested on each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God had a perfect plan. And he said, I want you to just stay in Jerusalem. Because who knows where they may have wandered off to. You know, after, after Jesus was crucified and buried for three days, they, they went back to work. And they didn't know what to do. So Jesus tells them, stay in Jerusalem and wait now remember, if 50 days roughly transpired from the crucifixion, the resurrection time period, to this day of Pentecost, the, what we just read happened, 50 days. Do you remember what happened with Peter during Jesus' crucifixion? What did Peter do? He denied that he knew Jesus. So somewhere in the realm of, of 50 days ago, Peter was saying, I don't know the man. Do you remember that? Fifty days, roughly. I don't know the man. You remember when Jesus said to him, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. What did he say to do? He said, if you love me, what? Feed my sheep. Right? When you're converted, he tells Peter, when you're converted, then you will feed my sheep, basically. He asked him three times. He said, feed my sheep. Okay? Okay. I get goosebumps. Now, 50 days later, Peter preaches probably the most powerful sermon ever preached in human history, the day that the New Testament church was born. 50 days ago, he said, I don't know the man. And then on the day of Pentecost, he stands before devout Jews from every nation, and he points to him and says, that Jesus, whom you know, who you saw do miracles. Well, he's the Christ. And not only that, but you crucified him. Fifty days he goes from, I don't know the man, to standing before thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, who knows, and saying that you crucified this man. That's the power that God can transform our lives. He transformed Peter and I believe that's what he meant, was when you're converted, you will feed my sheep. I believe he fed the sheep that day very well. Another interesting uh, note, if you recall, I love studying Peter's sermon on, on this occasion. Peter, he drew, he's dealing with Israelites, Jewish people. So he's trying to draw on their knowledge. He's trying to relate to them. And so what does he do? He talks about David, their patriarch, the one that they loved and adored and hung their hat on, essentially. So he talks about David, David this and David that. Well, David died, right? Yeah, you, you can go and see David's tomb, but this Jesus, so he's trying to make the connection that David, they may have loved David, but he's not He's not resurrected like Jesus. A little interesting fact or Let's, uh, this is uh, Jewish history, I guess, if you study it, if you look into it. It's speculated by Jewish historians that David was both born and died on Shavuot. Was both born and died on this celebration day. And here Peter stands on the day of Pentecost, this day, and preaches about David. Is that not fascinating? All of it, though, all of it, all that happened with Moses receiving the Ten Commandments, all that happened with the Passover lamb and all the feasts and everything, point only to Christ and him crucified and the salvation that we can have in him. Christ is the Passover lamb. He is the reason that we can be called the church. He is the reason that we can have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. The, the only reason that we can have a down payment or an earnest for that heavenly reward. In John one twenty nine, it says, that, speaking of John he says that the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. All of this Passover, all this was to point to the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Isaiah 53 in referencing what Jesus would do prophesying about it he was oppressed and was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth like a dumb like a lamb dumb before his shears that was led to the slaughter he was silent and so he opened not his mouth so another reference to Christ being the lamb first peter 1 verse 18 and 19 says knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Hebrews nine, thirteen and 14 says, For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh... Hebrews uh, verse 14 says, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without blemish to God? That original Passover lamb did not offer itself. It did not go bleeding about saying, you know, I'm the chosen one. Pick me, pick me. But Jesus, he did. He chose to be the Passover lamb for us. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And Matthew 26 and verse 2 says, You know that after two days, Jesus was talking to his, his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming. And it it literally was. Uh, he was referring, potentially, to they were there, going to be there to celebrate the Passover. Devout men from every nation came. But what he meant was a far deeper level that, they were, that he was going to be the sacrificial lamb. You know that after two days, the Passover coming is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered to be crucified. God orchestrated all this to point all of mankind to what Christ did for us on the cross. We can sit here as the church, as a redeemed people that are above condemnation because we can look at the Passover or the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we we can see clearly the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, just like the children of Israel could see their spiritual birth, in their exodus and in the receiving of the Ten Commandments. In Acts chapter 2, after all these had been baptized, 3,000 souls were saved. It says, this promise is to you, to your children, and to those who are far away. So I tell you this morning, if, if you're in here, someday some of you are going to have children the same Passover, the same process, the same crucifixion, all of this was done so that your children can have salvation. And someday, you might even be a grandparent. And you know what? That promise is for those kids too, and to many who are afar off. And yes, someday, each of us will have a resurrected body because Jesus was the first fruits, the proof that we can have resurrection as well. Praise be to God for the perfect working of his will. And, you know, looking at Acts chapter 2 and dealing with his disciples when he said, we just hang out in Jerusalem, that's proof to me that sometimes God says, wait. And we really just need to be willing to wait because he has a plan. And we can... we can dig into some, some serious stuff with this, and I would encourage you, if it's interesting to you at all, to dig in, to find out more about it. Uh, it has been such a faith builder to me, and just to see that God does things so, and we know that he's perfect, but that he's so intentional about everything he does for us, so that we might have salvation, so that we can be the first fruits someday of Jesus Christ, the Bible talks about. So hope this was informational and encouraging faith building to you if if you're in the audience this morning and you haven't been baptized into christ as peter preached i'd love to stand up before you and preach the same sermon that he preached on the day of pentecost but i won't he says that they were pricked in their hearts because they knew that they were the ones that crucified christ and not just them but each of us because our sins have separated us from god we have missed the target And God says that Jesus has provided a a redemptive work in Jesus Christ for, for all generations to come. And if you sit here this morning and you're not part of that church that Jesus established, you can be. This promise is to you and to all those who are far off. If you would like to obey the gospel, we encourage you to come up to the front row as, and if, or if you have a desire to bring anything to the church, uh, prayers, concerns, we'd love to pray for you. So thank you again. Hopefully this was helpful to you. Uh, let's enjoy this Pentecost and uh, enjoy remembering Memorial Weekend, too, for those who have died, that we might have freedom. Let's stand and have the invitation song. Thank you.